0: Hello and welcome to How to Win the Lottery Seas
1: <laughs> <laughs> not remotely ready for you to start. All right, go. Hello. Welcome to How to Win the Lottery Season 2, Episode 9, 10? Thir- 13. 13. 13 Real life uh, by Brandon Taylor.
0: <laughs> yep. You are?
1: I am Joey Lundowski.
0: And I'm Shreds. <laughs>
1: And this, this is, we're off to a, uh, there are no speed bumps here. It's all, uh, freeway right ahead of us.
0: Joey leaned back in his chair to stretch and I just (laughs) dived right into it. (laughs) Oh. We are here to talk about real life. The, the season wrapping up two more episodes after this, two more books, one very long book, which I'm very excited to read. And then one book that neither of us have read before. So exciting. And then there's also gonna be a couple bonus episodes that we'll surprise you with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it.
0: And there's new stuff every other week at the Patreon. Early episodes and literally a bonus episode after each of these episodes, which are dumber and more fun than these episodes.
1: Yeah, but don't say it like that. Don't say that. It like it's a good fun. thing. Yeah, I guess dumber. Sure.
0: More fun, maybe not. Well, you know, we
1: loosen the ties a little bit. We. It's BizCaz here at the at the How to Win the Lottery Pod, and and the the in the bonus apps, we uh, you know we get in the hot tub. Oh yeah, and we. You you know, use your imagination what goes on in the hot tub.
0: I'm going to have to crank your input up way a lot if you're going to whisper. Oh, sorry. I didn't
1: realize I was whispering.
0: Yeah, You and Joe, my two podcast co-hosts, like have a real volume modulation issue. (laughs) And because I edit every podcast.
1: All right. Don't don't take me to task here.
0: I got to ride the boards now because you're all over the place. (laughs) So Real Life by Brandon Taylor was released in 2020. Shortlisted for the Booker Prize. What is the Booker Prize?
1: Uh, The Booker Prize is, I believe, a uh, prize that goes out to all um, uh, countries in which English is the native uh, language.
0: So it's just like best book?
1: Yeah. Best book written in English, I think.
0: Meg Mog and the Girl Who Became the Booker Prize. What? Hold on. Literary Prize awarded each year for the best novel written in English and published in the United Kingdom or Ireland.
1: Yeah. Okay. So the book has to be pu- like. Yeah. Okay. So it's a British award, and it, okay. and it has to be published in.
0: So shortlisted means like it was like nominated for best picture, basically. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is his debut novel. Well, no, a little different
1: than that because there. It's, I don't know why book things do this, but there's long lists and short lists. So there's a nomination process before there's the nomination process, and then there's a winner. F-
0: oh, so well, out. like that's just like the Oscars. Like there's. Every country nominates a film for best international feature, or whatever they call that award now. And then from that list of like thirty-five or forty, they pick five, and then they pick one of the five for the one.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: This is his debut novel. He is he considers himself. I wrote it down somewhere. A scientist turned novelist. That makes sense because real life is largely autobiographical. I don't know if it entirely is, but. It's a campus novel, coming-of-age novel, partly autobiographical, telling the experiences of a gay, black, doctoral student in a predominantly white, midwestern PhD program at a school we never know what it is. Yeah, are Where
1: you just is. reading the Wikipedia?
0: Yeah. Okay. I'm I'm giving some some flavor text to this. He also wrote a collection of stories. Did you read his collection of stories. You hadn't read this book before. This is the first time you read this, right? First thing. He wrote a collection of stories that came out last year, 2021, called Filthy Animals. Okay. So he's... Prolific two years. Can,
1: can I ask you, based on uh, what we read, based on real life, will, would you read his short story collection?
0: I would be interested in reading. If you're like, hey, I read this, and here's like the best one. I would read. I would read more. I don't know if I'd read a full collection of stories, but I would definitely be interested in reading more from him. Okay. Short stories, I think, are hit or miss, and that's not that's not a him thing. That's just a anthology of anything, or just like yeah, collection I, is tough. you know,
1: like I thought for a little while. Um, I was like, we could do a short story module, but then you can't because, like, what would we do? Just, like, talk about individual short – like, multiple individual short stories and leave out the weak ones? It just feels like a a whole different process.
0: You would have to do, like, these three Flannery O'Connor short stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And it wouldn't – it doesn't seem like it would be very good to me.
0: Something I did in AP English where everybody picked an author, like a short story author, I think. And you picked, you you wrote about like ten, five or ten of their stories for, this, for the class. And then you picked one for everyone to read, which was kind of a cool thing. That is a cool thing. So I did. Five or
1: ten, though, huh?
0: I think so. I did Ambrose Beers.
1: Okay. That guy's got more than just incident at Owl Creek
0: Bridge. He's got a whole slew of them. That's the only one I remember, though. Because I asked my teacher, I was just like, what's something that's like, I'm like, I'm in the mood for like a Twilight Zone kind of thing. He's like, oh, Ambrose Beers.
1: Because the because of the one story, are, are the other stories like that?
0: I think they're largely like kind of mystery ish yeah, sort of with thing. like the oh my god a twist at the end. Yeah, there's one I want to say. Oh, I don't remember. This can be a spoiler for a story I do not remember the name of, That's but cool. it's about like a, a. I think it's like a guy. They all have like a twist. I think there's a guy who's like dying of wounds or something. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember the detail, but it's basically like he kills himself as help is coming over the, the horizon. Like as he puts the knife into his stomach, he sees help coming. Yeah,
1: it's like the end of uh, the, the section in, um, uh, what's the name of that last Coen Brothers movie? Not Macbeth, but the one before then.
0: Oh, uh, Buster Scruggs. Yeah. The Battle of Buster Scruggs. Yeah,
1: there's the sec- there's the section with um, uh, Zoe Kazan. Yeah. And and it's similar to that. That's my favorite part of that movie.
0: I saw a good tweet this week as the world is on uh, nuclear watch that was like, I'm preparing my surroundings for the nuclear fallout with all the books I ever want to read and one pair of glasses delicately placed atop of one stack <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to Twilight Zone. Brandon Taylor wrote Real Life in Less Than Five Weeks. Jesus Christ. Quote, I was like, I'm going to sit down and knock this out so I can get on with my life. Writing a novel ruins your life in really specific ways because you have to live inside of it. It's just a sustained exercise in being miserable, which is funny because when we talked to Blake Middleton last week, Episode or last week or whatever, whenever. he's just like, yeah, this took me years. He's like, I hated it. So like I just like how like yeah. authors are just like, I hate writing.
1: I can actually see um it it seems to me like a book that could be written quickly, right? Because it's not structured complexly. It doesn't have that many interchangeable parts. It's largely uh the complexities in it are emotional complexities and like, that can be hard to get out. But, like, if you're just ri- – like, if he's just writing from his gut, like, I think that emotional stuff is probably there. So, I could see doing – no- I mean, I couldn't do a novel like this in five weeks because I am not Brandon Taylor. But, like, I it, it doesn't seem like – like, if-, if he were like, it took me 15 years to write this novel, I'd be like, why? Right. But, like, for something like, um, I don't know, like Underworld or something like that. Like, when it- – like, if, if Don DeLillo were like, it took me 15 years – I'd be like, I get it, and that's not to say that Underworld is a better book than real life.
0: It's a more complex um, book,
1: but only complex in in that like you would have to. It's complex structurally. It's complex as like a system, right? Um, whereas, because uh,
0: this book is just basically recounting of a weekend in a summer.
1: Yeah, it's like a guy puking, like in the best way.
0: Like I, I, I like. Oh, the, you mean the author puking? Yeah, the
1: author puking. Like I, I, I want. Like I want to say that. I really like this book a lot. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've said has seemed insulting to Brandon Taylor so far. No, we both
0: that, like this book a lot.
1: Um, but like I, I think that like it feels a bit like someone just took an emetic and got it all out. I think so. Yeah, yeah, because weeks.
0: there's a lot to unpack, which we will get to, but it is just it's again when I said, you know, underworld's more complex, I'm not saying this isn't complex, it's just differently complex. It's like it's a straightforward you know, he remembers, because, like, the last chapter is almost like a prequel. Like, it ends at the beginning. And it makes the mm-hmm. final chapter really heartbreaking, I think. Yeah. But it's just like, okay, so, like, I'm thinking back to this weekend, which is, you know, maybe partly real, partly fake, whatever. It's like, okay, I slept with this guy, and then we woke up, and we did this. And, like, you have, like, the – if you're basing it on reality, you already have the outline done. And it's just like, okay, i got to write the chapter on, like, the morning. And you just get it out, right? So –
1: so structure-wise, I do think that it is. it does seem to be structured around just a series of conversations, each of them incredibly combative.
0: I said to you while reading this, this reminded me of Bret Easton Ellis, of just kind of characters hanging out and growing yeah. up. And I think, because it was just like, I think it's the conversation, the way that they talk to each other reminded mm-hmm. me, the way the characters interacted reminded me. And I said, it's without the like, scepter of violence because it feels like in Brett Easton Ellis, and you, you kind of to me and I'm going to get to that and I'll let you say what you said but like in in Brett Easton Ellis, like there's just like almost like movie action movie you know, like thriller movie violence around the corner like someone's going to kill a dog outside just like, like I did not see that happening here yeah. but there's a different kind of menace to this that you pointed out I'm like yeah that's true
1: I think also I think the menace of this book is different because in the thing that's scary about Brad Easton ellis novels is that none of those characters give a shit and then the thing that's scary about this is that like everyone cares so much about every word that a misplaced word in the middle of a sentence could cause another fissure to 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 like create an entirely new conflict and and drive us toward this uh drive us off a cliff you know
0: yeah and i think a lot of the conflict is built around the fact that Wallace, the main character who's, I guess, a stand-in for Brandon Taylor, is not emotionally ready to unpack a lot of stuff. He just, he'd rather avoid conflict and deal with things. Yeah. Which is in every way. And that makes things so uncomfortable which is
1: like a really interesting decision to make for a uh protagonist and a narrator have to have someone who's like conflict averse because what you want from books is you want those big moments but he's always like walking away from those big moments except for once or twice when he actually really like dives into them
0: it sort of pained me to read parts of this because i feel like in the past i have not been able to articulate myself well, and I'd rather walk away from things than like deal oh, yeah. with things. Yes, and just like looking back with, because you know we're we're older than Brandon Taylor. We have the, <laughs> the we have the air of experience over this young buck. But it's just like like even I'm sure the Brandon Taylor who wrote this novel could look back at the Brandon the character that he's writing, and be like, do something differently. But like he has to be true to himself. But like yeah. Just everything he's just like when he's with Miller, he's just like, I need to leave because I don't want, I don't think he wants me to maybe be around. But like, he doesn't think about what sticking around versus leaving actually implies, either short term, long term, whatever. Right.
1: So let's, um, yeah, what's it about? Well, yeah, let's actually talk about what the book's about.
0: Hit us with that plot, the um, plot.
1: Wallace, uh, the narrator is a grad student in biology. Right. He's got a project where, where, where he's dealing with um, nematodes, nematodes. He's like dying them so that they show up on a. I don't know.
0: Science stuff. Yeah. Science stuff,
1: which I actually really, really liked the, that. That part of the book is like a, a dissociative from the emotional content. I think the
0: science stuff and the tennis stuff are things you don't really <laughs> read about often. I'm just like, this guy knows those two things. Oh, like the way he's I? describing tennis, I'm just like, Hell,
1: yeah. can I can I tell you how much you would like Infinite Jest then? Really? Yeah, that is like a tennis book. Cool. Um But
0: you know, like it's it's only like talked about the art of fielding and like the yeah, way that it's like, right. oh, he knows yeah, baseball as yeah, yeah. a fan. Brandon Taylor like describing like the slice of a serve. I'm just uh, like, that's cool.
1: This guy plays has played some tennis.
0: We'll do Infinite Jest at some point. Maybe. Yeah. Just gotta pad out a lot of shorty books around uh, it.
1: Yeah, well we just gotta also uh I don't know, not post to the internet that we're doing it so that people don't um Patreon bonus episode attack us with knives. Uh, anyway, so um, Wallace is a guy who uh, – he's dealing with a lot of emotional conflict, but he's he's also uh, dealing with feelings of inadequacy um, within the, the grad program that he's in. As I think most people who are in grad programs fe- feel inadequate, he feels like he has a kind of imposter syndrome.
0: He's also the first black doctoral student to be accepted in like – decades, like, for, like, a long, time. Which is something that he's
1: reminded of over and over again. It's not like he was accepted and then, like, this is a colorblind university as, like, you know, I mean, being, the idea of colorblindness is bullshit anyway, but, like, uh, he's reminded multiple times that he's there partially because he's black, which is not a kind thing to say to someone, uh, obviously. (laughs) So he has, uh, he has that on his mind, and then he also... His father has recently passed away. His father, with whom he had an incredibly complex relationship, like
0: mere weeks ago.
1: Yeah, mere weeks ago. Um, and he is not processing that. Did not go to the funeral. Um, is with his friends, quote unquote friends, because they, they mostly don't feel all that friendly to me.
0: It's the so the final chapter is his arrival to the school, mm-hmm. and it feels like they're just like they send an email around or like a Facebook thing, just like here's who you, here's who your you know your coursemates are. Good luck.
1: Yeah, go meet them at the park.
0: And then he's like, like these are my friends. And yeah. like, he's so optimistic. And then we see the the entire book is him just like self-imploding.
1: Yeah, not just, yeah, yeah, under, under, uh, not the, just, not just through his fault, but like yeah, under, the, under the various aggressions that, that he, that he faces throughout yes. the entire Uh, novel and so he has a kind of crush on this guy miller who we're introduced as having said something horrifically racist to him so it's it's like kind of interesting that he has this uh relationship with him but like it is sort of a clue right that like the things you have to forgive in that environment if you want to exist at all it's like yeah miller said this racist thing to me but like If I did not forgive people saying those sorts of racist things to me, I would be completely alienated from my entire existence at this school because everybody is saying something along those lines.
0: He also says something to Miller. I don't remember who says what first, but he he describes it as like it's that feeling out point where you're not sure how you can talk to people who might be your friend or not.
1: Yeah, he teases Miller over some fashion thing. And then Miller, like, um, in response, like when when Wallace shows up to a class lecture thing Miller's like oh I thought they let your kind in first or something like that
0: see something about like being you know, like standing in the back of the room or something yeah, like, that. like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, you know now we're both in the back of the room or something like, it's just like a, oh yeah that's mm. yeah it's
1: like wow you like totally miscalculated that you thought you were doing like a ironic racism uh, look at how cool I am that I can say these things but also it's like a definitely an insult that's meant to hurt someone yeah That remains deniability because you can be like, oh, I'm just joking, which is like what racists do, right?
0: Because this book is built on, the narrative is built on institutionalized racism and probably homophobia. Homophobia, for sure. And misogyny. Yeah. What's interesting about the group dynamic is that it's largely queer. There's like five or six It definitely has gay energy, yeah. Because there's, Wallace is gay, Miller is like, I'm straight, man, but like he sleeps with Wallace a couple times in the novel. This is
1: the inciting incident of the novel. Miller, Miller and Wallace sleep together, and and then uh, everything sort of proceeds from there.
0: Also in their group is Cole and Vincent, who are a gay couple. Mm-hmm. And then there's Inge, who I don't, we don't really know a ton about. I don't. Does know. not seem gay, but
1: or do, does not like uh, present or identify as gay, but he is very like cuddly with Cole.
0: I think so. It just feels like oh, it's just a bunch of gay dudes in this program or whatever.
1: Yeah. Wallace uh, is dealing with um, his his father's death. and he, Or not,
0: by, basically by not dealing with it. Yeah, he's not it. dealing
1: with it. And his uh, experiment has been ruined. So he's, he's, he's lost a ton of time in the lab. And he thinks he's been sabotaged.
0: But yeah. But it's unclear, it seems like probably, possibly, but that's never resolved.
1: By this woman, Dana, who is... Um, the teacher's pet. The teacher's pet. Uh, and also is very quick to accuse Wallace of misogyny.
0: Yep. And she also seems not good at science.
1: Yeah, she's. it's interesting because, like, she's in there to show that there are certain people that the meritocracy doesn't apply to. The idea of meritocracy doesn't apply to. You can get through doors because of various privileges, even if you're a total fuck-up. While other people who fuck up on the same level or less than you will not be given the same benefit of the doubt.
0: Because the people in his lab all seem good at what they do. Mm -hmm. Like, Simona's the boss or the professor or whatever role she serves. And she's tough, but she seems kind of competent. But she's, like, cruel. And she's not – she doesn't, like, really – I think
1: she's the advisor.
0: Yeah. She's, like, yeah, the the faculty in charge of the group or Mm -hmm. whatever, right? Then there's Henrik, who's kind of Wallace's, like, sort of semi-mentor who – also seems like he doesn't really have time for Wallace, but like want like is good at what he does and like wants to help Wallace out, and then just kind of di- he graduates or disappears or whatever, right? Yeah. Then there's Dana we talked about, and there's Bridget, who's Wallace's only friend in the lab, mm-hmm. but she's also by the end she just like I'm just the Asian one, like yeah, like when, Simone's like you have any Japanese recipe? She's like I'm not even Japanese.
1: Yeah, when Wallace's. When Wallace is talking about his own situation, she is saying that she understands, and he's like, it's so easy for you. And she's like, dude, it is not easy for me. I am also facing racism and misogyny everywhere that I go. You're yep. not, like, alone in this struggle.
0: But she seems good at what she does, too. And then there's the other woman, who, whose name I don't remember, who, like— Wallace's work is like working toward her grander project or whatever. And she's
1: she, very mean to him yes. as well. Yeah.
0: But she's also is it like Katie. Is her name Katie? Maybe. I don't remember. But she's also like established as like she's a great, she's great at science. Yeah. Like the only reason she's not doing the work that Wallace could do because she could do it better and faster. She just doesn't have enough time. Yeah. But like it's everyone. Like I think that also serves to highlight just the bizarre, you know, the entitlement of Dana is that like everyone there is, you know, good at what they do except for her and she's not only good like she's actively like bad and she like fucks up and then like sharks blame just like hey man he was the one who who, who, like he gave me the wrong box and he's like i didn't give you the wrong box
1: yeah and then when when uh she accuses him of misogyny and he denies it and she says Women are the new homophobic slur and racial slur. Yeah. Like she's – and she, she says the words. It's very aggressive. Yep. And he is like sort of like takes it like a shotgun blast in the chest, right? He's, yeah. He's like uh, – as you would because it's like you're not expe- – or maybe – I don't know what Wallace is expecting in this moment, but like that felt – uh, I guess as someone who, who as a white dude who hasn't been in that situation, uh, I, I don't know how expected that is or not expected, but it felt incredibly violent to me.
0: Yeah, and then what the, the, the I'm I'm only laughing because it it fits the character. What happens from there is that Dana goes and writes an email to Simone like. This guy's a misogynist. Yeah, I'm dealing
1: with, and 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 Simone is like, I will not have a misogynist in my lab, and he doesn't. It's interesting because he doesn't fight back. He doesn't say like, well, she used these slurs.
0: Well, because he 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 feels a slight sense in relief or of relief where he just like, because she she describes what Dana wrote, and she's like, I knew it couldn't be this, mm-hmm. and he's like, I I I realize that like she didn't see me as a monster, but he also like, she's not like. Dana was completely wrong. She just yeah. like, I knew it couldn't be as bad as this, but like, I still know that you're a misogynist. I can't accept that. It's just like, yikes.
1: So I like, I was trying to think of a, uh well, let's get to this later, but th- th- there are like throughout the text, you go from conversation to conversation and each conversation is its own like massive conflict, right? Yep. He has, he has sex with Miller, but then he leaves. He uh goes to play tennis with Cole. And that like turns into a kind of, conflict uh, even though like they're good friends and they're just exchanging but like it's still fraught with a kind of tension
0: because cole's like i, I think Benson's on a on grinder basically yeah wallace is like well you should confront him and cole's like that's i don't i don't want your advice right yeah. i want your like i want you to listen to me mm-hmm. and wallace is like hey man i'm sorry yeah but yeah every single conversation
1: and i was trying to find a uh like a lineage for this kind of structure and the only thing that i could think of was edward Albee who is a, a, a playwright from the 50s through... He died uh, maybe five years ago. Um, he wrote Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf and a number of other uh, plays. And there's some, it's some of the angriest stuff that I've ever read in my, in my entire life. Um, and Edward Albee was gay. Did I say a uh, gay? <laughs> Edward Albee was a gay. <laughs> um, Edward Albee was gay. I think I was going to say a gay man, and then I just said was a gay. Um, Edward Albee was a gay man. There's not that much gay content in his work. But like,
0: but you're able to read into that once you know that. Yeah, I
1: think I think I'm tr- I think like processing this anger and this level of conflict. I think like when you when you look at it from the perspective of Wallace or when you look at it from the perspective of Edward Albee making that kind of art, I think you kind of see like as a gay black man, Wallace has his defenses up in every situation because every situation for him has this potential to become incredibly painful to him, incredibly yep. hard on him by people that are his friends, right? Yep. He's at a dinner party and, uh, you know, a guy that he dislikes but uh, is is like among his friends, like uh, questions his uh whether or not he deserves to be in the program and, and, like, implies that he's only there because of his skin color. And these things are happening in places that are, like, you know, supposed to be, quote-unquote, safe spaces yeah. where, where you're, like, there with your friends hanging out. So, like, in every conversation, he ha- there's, like, this minefield of, like, there's a real possibility of me getting wounded in, in all of these
0: circumstances. And life has taught him that that's going to happen because there's something that I... And I might have... There's a chance I misread this, mm-hmm. but... I think we see, read, not see, we read Wallace's first kiss in this. I think like when he kisses Miller, I think he describes it as his first kiss.
1: Well, yeah, it's not, I, I, yeah. Which. He does describe it as his first kiss, but I don't, I don't think he means it like that.
0: Because I bring it up because like that night he like either goes down on Miller or they have sex or whatever But we learn it's like, oh, that's kind of happening quick, maybe quickly. I don't know. But we learned that he has been sexually abused and assaulted and raped for most of his life. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but like then accused of being homophobic slur for like letting that happen when he was like five years old or whatever. Like it wasn't the man that was in the house's fault. It was his fault for like letting it happen.
1: Which is how parents or people of power around us protect themselves from uh, their inability to to provide their roles as guardians right they say like well you were asking for it it's like children aren't asking for anything they're children what are you talking that that child could be doing anything and they still wouldn't be asking for it but uh uh yeah so he hasn't he has not been protected by the people that were supposed to protect him um to the
0: point the point where like his dad is just like i don't want to be your father anymore and just like moves down the road and just never sees him again yeah yeah and then dies and like he realizes by the end of the novel he's like I'm never going to know why he moved out, like, what I did or what – not even what I did, just, like, why he didn't want to be around, and now I can never ask him.
1: Right. Yeah, so there's that – like, that's a tension that doesn't go away, right? So he's carrying that in his – you know, in his shoulders, in his stomach, whatever, um, as as a sort of, like, conflict-ready at any moment. And But, like, the point is that all of these people have within them the potential to hurt him at any moment. Uh, most normally um, – in sort of uh, verbal ways, violent violent ways, but ways that are verbal, right? They can hurt his feelings very badly. They can hurt his sense of belonging very badly. But it's manifested physically in Miller, who he is emotionally attached to and who he has sex with, who he shares his first kiss, quote-unquote. But I think by that he means that his it's his first, like, Emotional journey into intimacy. For, okay, for, from from that perspective. So like
0: he's maybe had hookups or whatever yeah, in the past. Yeah, Because yeah. it but does seem like... Miller's
1: like the per, for maybe the first person that he like really likes. That yeah. he's that he's kissing. And Miller, like after he and Miller have sex, and and Miller is also a person that has wounded him emotionally quite a few times. Um, we learn about Miller that Miller actually is like an incredibly violent person, and he has like a switch inside of him that when you flick it, he will. Take your head off. He'll,
0: you know. He describes almost killing a kid who was basically, like, happy that he was going to Purdue. And, like, the kid was being a little pompous about it. But, like, the kid was just like, yeah, I'm going to go to Purdue. Like, I'm just going to get into Purdue or whatever. And, like, Miller almost beats him to death. Yeah. And, like, that's, like, his – Like he, he doesn't feel good about it. He's shameful about it. But, like, that's – he finally unloads that to Wallace.
1: Which is interesting, too, because he unloads that to Wallace. Like, Wallace is, like – Wallace doesn't want to tell about his past, but Miller's like, I'm not going, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to like, you can tell me about who you are. I want to know who you are. And Wallace says this incredibly uh, painful story about him being sexually abused as as a child. And um, Miller, in return, tells about himself. And whereas Wallace's story was about himself being abused, Miller's story was about him abusing someone. Right. And Miller treats that with the same weight, like he he acts like it's the same level of confession, like he and and I can see you know sympathy with Miller in some ways because like that is probably a very hard thing to say, and of course like he probably has legitimate issues, but like. It's a weird It's a weird thing to share when someone says, I was abused. And you go, that, funny you should say that, because I actually almost killed a kid once.
0: It's like the Jerry Springer show Baggage. Do you remember Baggage? I don't. It was a dating show where, I don't know if both contestants had, or I think it might have been like a woman and three dudes. Mm-hmm. And each dude had a little bag, a medium bag, and a big bag, like suitcase sizes. And each of those were a different secret that they harbored. Okay, and
1: they, they were literalizing the metaphor of exactly. baggage. All right,
0: and I don't, I don't remember how the game worked, but she yeah. would like do whatever and like I want to hear your little baggage. And She's just like, you know, I, uh, I cheated on my SATs. She's like, I don't give a shit about that. Whatever. And then like somebody's big baggage is like, yeah, I murdered a family of four, and she's like, that might be a deal breaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why so, not just say the big baggage first? Because I think it's a game show. Like you want to oh, 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 keep you have to you okay. want to keep people around yeah, yeah. for the full hour. Wallace has big baggage and Miller's is like medium baggage, but he's treating it like it's big. Baggage. No. Well, I, I think, I think I also might have the entire concept of the baggage wrong. I've only seen like, <laughs> it was one of those shows where I'm like, I'm not supposed to be watching this. I'm, I'm nine. It's the nineties. I'm home during the day. My mom's in the kitchen. She can't know that I'm watching baggage. Did you ever
1: watch eliminate? No. Oh, it's a, a show where there were lots of hand jobs and hot tubs. Um, and I like, I was watching that when I was, I don't know how old. Cool. Um, Maybe I was like of a proper age to watch that. Maybe I was watching that when I was like seventeen or something. I have no concept of how old I was once you get past like thirty. Why are we? Oh, oh, okay. Because like my my point. The here...
0: came out in two thousand one. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, you I, was, I, was, I was in an college. Adult. I was in college already. <laughs> it debuted the week of nine eleven.
1: <laughs> it's the nine eleven of dating shows.
0: Four suitors vie for the hand. Of one lucky single. Right. It was,
1: it was like the equivalent. uh, It went along with things like Room Raiders. Like they were like the same kinds of shows. Um, Room Raiders, which had a heavy presence
0: at my college. Season one, episode two, foot fetishist. Episode two about foot fetish.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Six seasons of that show. 67 episodes. Wow.
1: That's too many episodes. It's way too many. How many, how many handjobs can you give in hot tubs? I just remember there was always a handjob in the hot tub. Always. Um, I may have just watched the same episode over and over again, uh, <laughs> but I, my point is that Nick is the um, is the actor. Nick Miller is the actor. I'm saying Nick Miller because he's the guy from. Uh, uh, I told you that like that, that because TV show
0: New Girl because like we both love Jake Johnson. I was like I'm yeah, just yeah, picturing yeah. Miller because Nick Miller. I'm picturing it's, Jake it's Johnson. Absolutely t- horrendous is, casting. Like, it's terrible casting. <laughs> uh, but um, but Mi- then yeah,
1: so, so so Miller is the actor and. Uh, uh, Wallace is the acted upon, so Correct. it's not. It's 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 like not equal levels of con- confession.
0: Yeah, it would there. be like he's like, I was. It's not exactly this, but it's just like you know, I was assaulted because I was gay. He's like, funny, you should say that. I beat up a kid for being gay.
1: Yeah, it's actually like in some ways I can see why it is more intimidating for. Well, and more intimidating, I don't know, because I'm you know, I'm not in Wallace's position, so I don't know. But I can understand why it is intimidating for Miller to say these things. Because when Wallace says ad- admits his things, which is probably horrific and terrible to admit, if Miller abandons him because of that, it's because Miller's a dick. It's because Miller is like right. a f- total fuckboy boy who is like uh shallow and incapable of dealing with the emotional maturity of knowing and befriending and being in a relationship with someone who has their yes. own trauma. If Wallace bails on Miller, it's because Miller is a violent person who might, like, break your skull open. Yeah. Which, by the way, comes to bear
0: later on in the novel. Yes. I also, like, there's, I can see, and I'm not trying to defend Miller here in any way, but I can see why he would be maybe more, why he could think it's of equal weight, because maybe to his mind what happened to Wallace was horrific but it wasn't something he did like it just happened yeah, to sure. him yeah. and miller's like yeah but i messed up like you just had a terrible thing happen to you but like i'm confessing something that like that i did and they're
1: also they're also just going hey this is the worst thing that ever happened to me right right they they're both like this is the hardest thing that's ever like i've ever been through in my life and the but the difference is that you know uh it would be different if wallace were the kid that got hit and and had to you right. know
0: but that violence miller's aggressive tendencies show up as they, like, their second or third time sleeping. There's, like, very rough sex, like, where they're, like, caked in blood and sweat Well,
1: because Miller shows up at his house, and we learn that... Drunk. Uh, drunk. And he had been in a fight at the bar.
0: That because he was someone called him homophobic slur.
1: Yeah. And so he reacted negatively to the, to the... Possibly extremely negatively to the homophobic slur because he had... Though previously identifying as straight, he'd been in this past weekend in a gay relationship and all of a sudden is now identifying as this thing that he maybe had previously um, been, you know, uh, part of the privileged group that got to use the homophobic slur as a hurtful thing to say to people on purpose to, right. to wound them. Yeah. And now he was the one being wounded by it.
0: Because it does sort of seem and maybe it just Wallace's because it's not told from first person, but it's told from Wallace's perspective, right? That like, Yeah,
1: a close third person
0: that Miller, I
1: think I I called him the narrator earlier and that's a mistake.
0: I got the impression early that Miller was not gay, that, that he's just like, he's like, he's a handsome man that Wallace has a crush on. But then by the end of the week, by the end of the book, which is the end of the weekend, Miller's initiating, like, he's just like, like, I mean, to, like, I want, I want this. So yeah, I, I don't think,
1: yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's, it's the, the fluid boundaries of sexuality. I, yep. I wouldn't call Miller gay or, or not gay, but he's definitely, like, having sex with men. Because
0: there's also the, the discussion within the novel of something that I'm not able to speak to, but Cole and Vincent are talking about the differences between being, being gay and being queer, especially in, in regards to the dating app and in terms of over, open relationships and the other couple that they're friends to, that has an open relationship and, like, well, like they're queer. They're whatever, right? I'm just a gay dude. Yeah. Um, Which I don't have the. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, or the the, the, to yeah. Yeah. I, I,
1: I wouldn't. I wouldn't try to decipher that because it feels like any any attempt that we made would be.
0: But it does feel earnest in that way.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there there is a. Uh, uh, people should read this book. I I I think that like. Um,
0: How'd you hear about this? I'm, I should. I probably should ask you that more often because, like, especially for books that you hadn't read before. You... Oh, um. So
1: this is a book that is on a list of because. Okay, so every semester I look for uh, recent books. Okay. Like, because because when I when I teach literature, I try to keep it within the last couple of years so that um, students can see literature as something that is alive and thriving and and written by people who are. Uh, you know, 10 years older than them, not, not 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 people that are 70, not people that are not not people that have been dead since the 50s. Right. right? I want them to, to read about people who are uh, they can follow these people on
0: Twitter if they want. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like that's a that's a big deal to me. Like you you, you can even ask someone a question. On They're Twitter accessible yeah. if they want. Or you can become a lifelong fan and follow someone's career and get excited for their next book coming out,
0: which is why you started the season off with Sylvia Plath. So we can get <laughs> so you can really like lean into that.
1: And that was a specific uh, request. From me?
0: From me, Meg. Meg From Meg. Yeah. That was great uh, cool, though. Loved
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a... There's a balance. I know. There's definitely a value to like looking I'm at older stuff you. too. I'm just you. And then like among uh, the the round of, of books that I think are interesting, look interesting, I then try to... Because uh, I teach at a minority serving school. So I try to get books that uh, reflect the uh, demographics that I teach. Sure. And so I'm always like looking for books by contemporary black authors um contemporary latino authors uh and then within that context then i'm also looking for lgbtq plus authors because that serves a significant portion of the, the school's population too because not only like you know the history of teaching literature there's a lot of uh white dudes teaching white dudes
0: to not white dudes yeah and it's like I, you know i, I mark twain yeah
1: and or, or not even i mean they're, they're like something like uh i don't know stephen king or something like that like something contemporary but they're just like i don't like there's nothing about this that i can relate to right um so i try to and, and you're never going to like that's like an incredibly difficult balance of building a syllabus for literature for like an introductory which
0: you also try to do here too
1: yeah yeah for for like but but like the the difficult time in building a syllabus for an introductory introduction to literature class is that like you're not going to hit all demographics any right. given semester you have to like be totally conscious of a number of people checking out because they they're just like this book doesn't speak
0: to me at all what you talked about i don't remember what book you talked about but you talked about on here before about you like you thought your kids were going to like some book that you picked and they just none of them Maybe a couple books, right? Just like you—you you, you never know, really. Yeah, it's
1: it's very very difficult to to figure out which ones students are going to like and which ones are not. So anyway, real life was part of that search. It was it was like I like I have a long list of books that are like uh, uh, contemporary black and LGBTQ plus authors. Um,
0: so you didn't pick this book, but it was on your radar.
1: Yeah, it was on it was it was on my you know because that that list of books is a hundred books long, but, which is good. But then this book was like. Like, I knew it was a campus novel, so I was like, well, I'm not going to – I also don't get the opportunity to teach literature every semester. So, like, that's a long list of books that, like, I'm not going to get to teach all of them. You know, I saw that we were doing the campus thing, and I was, and I was like, well, this is an opportunity for me to read that book, even if it's not for school. Like, I, I wanted to read it anyway, so I thought I brought it, I'd bring it into this.
0: Yeah. We have an email address, lottery at cageclub.me, and our friend Egg, who requested the bell jar, <laughs> writes in her reaction to real life. So if you want to email and we'll read on the next episode. Also, by the way, next episode, bonus episode, not two weeks later, two weeks from now, the instructions by Adam Levin. Meg on real life. This book was so good, but it was such a punch to the gut. Kind of felt like the whole book was centered on disappointment stemming from unfairness. Wallace not excelling in grad school because is a heinous bitch. <laughs> Wallace's friends not standing up for him when Ramon was saying so many blatantly racist things to him. Wallace remaining in a clearly toxic relationship. Even the ending felt so sorry. Well, I mean, staying in a relationship, it's been 48 hours, if that, right? It's not like they've been together for weeks.
1: Yeah, but I think – well, I think probably what Meg's speaking to here as far as staying in a relationship is that they get into a literal fist fight and then have sex after that. And, yeah. then, and then, like, have a cool-down period where they're still, like, clearly
0: – Working through some stuff.
1: Working through some stuff. Whereas, like, I think a lot of people, once you get to the point where – He's choking him. He has his, he's, you know, he's, he's holding him so tightly that Wallace can't breathe. I think you, you probably, a lot of people bail from that that point. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Even the ending felt so sour. Ostensibly, it ends on a very positive note. But as readers, we know that joy that Wallace is experiencing is not going to last. The worst part is we're left without knowing if Wallace quote unquote ends up all right. I got to think he does.
1: I mean, I don't, you know, I'm not 100% sure what all right means. I think that these conflicts are conflicts that he goes through for his life because this is the world that we live in. And unfortunately, he has these—I tr- mean, you can work through that stuff, but I think that he has been wounded enough that he is going to have to do a significant amount of self-care to get past any of that. Um, so all right is like a—, a uh, dot on the horizon a million miles away
0: also if we take this to be autobiographical he got through it because he's writing about it and he seems to have processed at least to a certain extent what happened yeah maybe I don't know I mean
1: I you know anytime someone says an, an a novel is autobiographical I always think like uh, I wish I didn't know that because I because I kind of
0: you want separation of church and state I don't know you know this is a, this is a tough question
1: um We don't know what's true in the novel and what's... Like, even if you say it's not a biographical novel, we don't know what's made up and what's not. And I think it's dangerous at any point to assume that this is a thing that really happened versus this is the thing that was dramatically uh, rendered. I'm sure, I'm sure that Brandon Taylor in a science program uh, dealt with issues of racism and homophobia. Like, that is a certainty that, like, I I would bet the house on, you know? Um,
0: He's two graduate degrees, so, like... University of Wisconsin, Madison, University of Iowa. So like he's Oh, Iowa's probably the right workshop. Which is what I thought. Yeah, he yeah. probably went to Wisconsin for science. Mm-hmm. It was like I don't want to deal with nematodes anymore. <laughs> I want to write about nematodes. Yeah. Iowa.
1: And then he went to Iowa, which is— where um,
0: Lena Dunham's character went in Girls.
1: I mean, also, well, here's a fucking thing, is that I'm sure that he—I'm sure that Iowa, even the Writers' Conference, even, like, the grand liberal tradition of of the arts in college— Super Machete? Like, yeah, like, I'm sure that there is still an unbelievable amount of racism and homophobia yeah. in that context. Yeah. I mean, you bring up Lena Dunham, uh, like, that's enough, right? Is she racist? Well, Lena Dunham is a problematic figure.
0: Sure. Let's leave it at that. We'll get back to Lena Dunham somewhat when we get to casting. Really? Well, Adam Driver. Girls. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. I was impressed, Meg says, that this book talked about race and queerness both as intersecting and distinct. For example, scenes in the lab deal mainly with aspects of race. When Wallace is with his friends or Miller, you get more of the intersection.
1: Yeah, that's a great, that's a great note.
0: I found that when Wallace is being mean to people, like telling Dana to fuck off when he brought up Vincent being on the app at dinner, those two different things—I I misspoke there. Those two different situations—found those especially satisfying, but those moments are short-lived because he gets punished for it every time.
1: Yeah, some people can get away with things, some people can't, and that's a degree of privilege.
0: The other thing is because so he playing tennis with Cole, and Cole's like, "Yeah, he's on the app." And so, like, there's, like, an awkward moment at dinner and, like, he's getting shit. And he's just like, hey, man, so, like, I saw you on the app. And they're all like, that's a fucked up thing. This yeah, thing. He's, he's like, this, this back. Like
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's dropping a nuclear bomb on dinner. Um, Also, I don't.
0: I, that's kind of curb your enthusiasm. Yeah, I
1: don't like everyone was like, that's totally fucked up. And in my head, I'm like, he was doing Cole a favor. Like, I feel like like that's something that. Because Cole can't admit that Cole was on the app, so like Wallace is is stepping in and and saying, "Now we all know this thing," and now and now Cole can have this conversation with his boyfriend that he wants to have, um, but right. w- without being uh, accused of spying or accused of anything like this. It
0: also feels like prop like the way that they react feels like Cole has talked to everyone about it because they're all like,
1: <laughs> yeah, "That's a funny, that's a funny thought." I didn't think about that because at all.
0: they're all like yeah okay so say Wallace didn't know I don't know that's still kind of a weird thing to say at dinner We are just like oh like I like I, you know I was on Grindr like they don't name Grindr but like I was on Grindr the other day and I saw your profile and like that's pretty cool like innocently that's still going be a, a little weird for dinner but I think innocently like you can pass it off just like a oh like that's cool that you guys are in an open relationship or whatever but everyone's like you're not supposed to bring this up so like <laughs> it feels like Cole is talking to everybody except for Vincent yeah I don't know maybe not
1: yeah, that's a that's a good note too.
0: Because they're all angry at Wallace for saying it. It's like, well, how do you know? Because Cole maybe told to all of that. Yeah, I like the condemnation of white feminism. Honestly, the biggest sure. from a white woman. <laughs> that's the way it goes. Yeah, Meg is the villain. Honestly, leave biggest, Meg alone. Honestly, the biggest villain in the story is Dana. Yes. Also, my cat's name is Dana, and I told you I was picturing her kind of like a BoJack Horseman style, which is like a cat in the lab.
1: Yeah, Dana's a weird name for a cat. But keep going.
0: Well, they also describe her in the novel as having cat-like hazel eyes. I'm just like, weird. Honestly, the biggest villain in the story is Dana. When she invoked the N-word to describe women, I was speechless. But not the F-word. She hasn't put that in here, so.
1: Stop picking on men.
0: <laughs> and I rolled my eyes when Simone said that she, quote, couldn't have a misogynist in her lab. Like, she can have a racist in there. No problem, I guess.
1: Yeah, well, I think, I I mean, Simone herself is racist. Sure. Right, and so like she's blind to this idea, which is the white feminism that that Meg is talking about, which is like when people are like people who identify as feminists, largely white women who identify as feminists, uh, see the world through the angle of,
0: a big of gender, yeah,
1: and and don't see intersectionality. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they're they're blinded to things like racism and and homophobia and stuff like that because they they're prioritizing this i this idea of misogyny. Which, I, I mean, the you know, the world would be better if we looked at all those things in conjunction with one another because they largely are in conjunction with one another.
0: I think I disliked, Meg says, more characters than I liked. Vincent was particularly annoying to me because it took... I took it personally when he spent all his time complaining about Cole being in grad school. That's just what happens when someone is in grad school. It takes up your life for X number of years and it's something other than real life.
1: Well, also, like, I, I want to say that I've... Been in both of those situations. I've been in the situation, you know, if if you're with your friends from grad school and your significant other is with you. Most of the talk is about grad school. Most of the talk is about shit that exists in in the context of your small worlds, and so your significant other is oftentimes cut out of that, and they feel alienated, right? And I've been on both sides of that. Although probably I've been the perpetrator of that more than I've been the victim of it. But like that's what ha- that that's like a real like regular part of a relationship.
0: Yeah. Also, I don't want to hang out with like anybody in this book. I don't think. Maybe I do. I don't know. No, I,
1: do, I, do, I don't really.
0: When we get to the thing on the Patreon thing... Bridget seems all right. Yeah. But I don't. she also might be just all right by comparison. We yeah. don't really know a lot about her. Anyway, Bridget was probably my favorite character. Oh, Egg. okay. There you go. I would have liked to have had more scenes with her. I think there were only two, but I also think her presence was limited for a reason. It's like she's in the room with us. The scene where she exposed Wallace's blind spot for racism that was not happening to him was powerful. Obviously, it's not excusing inaction, but just bringing it into the light, the ignorance that people have when things are not happening to them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's like something that Brandon Taylor is doing in a really thoughtful way, right? Because he's he's like sort of going from character to character and showing that this is true of all of the characters, that they're, they're all like caught up in their own uh, – in the ways – in which they've been victims of various aggressions yeah. without being sympathetic to the ways that other people have been victims of various aggressions.
0: Yep. All in all, Meg says, as to the wrap up the email, I found this a very powerful book.
1: Yeah, not a fun one, necessarily.
0: No, but it's very easy to read, too.
1: Yeah, I I, I went right
0: through it. Like, it took me, just because I've been busy, but, like, I basically read this in, like, three or four big, big chunks. Because, uh-huh. like, you can sit down and, like, all of a sudden, you're through 70 pages.
1: That's what I did the first night. I, re- I read 60 pages. I, I rarely read 60 pages all at once. I try to read 50 pages a day, but I, I divide it up throughout the day. But with this book, I sat down and I read 60 pages straight through the first time that I sat down to read it because it, yeah. it went by so quickly.
0: I also do think, I think I probably think about this more often or more than other people, but like I think the chapter breaks are in good spots. Mm-hmm. Like, Secret History is a very long book that has, like, eight chapters. Yeah. This has, like, nine or ten chapters, but it's, like, half the length of Secret History, basically. Yeah. And it, it, they feel natural, and they feel like, okay, I can have a breather, or I can keep going if I want to keep going, right? So, did you know that this is being adapted? No, I didn't. So. Who do we have? Who's, who's... There's only one character, the a Wallace character. So, on December 9th, 2020, so about a year and a half ago, it was announced that Kid Cudi, his mad solar banner is developing an adaptation of the coming-of-age real life with Cuddy set to star.
1: Fascinating.
0: Scott and Miss Braun Studios acquired the rights to the Booker Prize shortlisted novel Mad, with Matt Solar, and then in October 21, so like six months ago, Brandon Taylor revealed he had finished the first draft of the screenplay. So he's writing the screenplay. Beautiful. With That's Kid great. Cuddy in the starring role.
1: Wow. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that I've seen Kid Cuddy act before I know he's been in some stuff. He was certainly Scott Aukerman's band leader on Comedy Bang Bang for a little while.
0: Like, that coincided with him taking care of some mental health issues that, like, he, like, left the show to, like... I think he's been very publicly... He's been very open about, like, better improving himself. And And that just kind of intersected at the same time. And then
1: he was replaced by Weird Al, right?
0: Yeah. Okay. Kid Cudi was in, like, one scene of Don't Look Up as Ariana Grande's boyfriend, but, like, basically playing himself. Okay. He was in Bill and Ted Face the Music. He was in... Oh, he was in Need for Speed. With our girl that's Prince. right. That's
1: what I'm thinking of. Yeah, that's um, that's what I'm thinking of because I watched that for your other podcast. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And he was he was charming in that. I was be- not. Wow. I was not picturing him as as uh Wallace at all.
0: He's also in the upcoming Ty West film X. Okay. Or maybe that's out now. By the time this episode's out, I think it's out now. By the time this episode's um, out,
1: I was thinking when I when I was reading this, um, I thought he's too old for the role. But um I think everyone would be too old for these
0: these roles even though I was Again, thinking of gonna, them as adults. you don't need to like.
1: I was thinking of them as I was thinking of these characters as 30 years old, 35 years old. But
0: because, they're probably what, like 25, 26. Yeah,
1: but they seem older to me. I don't they they all seem like adults in a way. But
0: they also all seem like dumb kids.
1: Yeah, they they're like straddling this this line. Um, I was thinking of Brian Tyree Henry because Which I think it's a great
0: cast. Great casting because like one of Wallace's defining characteristics of himself is he's like I'm fat and they're like yeah. you're not fat and like he, Brian Tyree Henry's not fat but he's also like not thin like Scott like Kid Cudi is thin right yeah so I don't know yeah
1: and Brian Tyree Henry is one of those actors that I'm just like you, you know that there's that part in a. Uh... Uh, that, like, Q&A with Kevin Smith where he's talking about Ben Affleck, and he's like, put Ben Affleck in everything. Make the new Jaws, Ben Affleck can play the shark. Like, that's what, how I feel about Brian Tyree Henry. Like, Brian Tyree Henry could play the new shark in Jaws if he wanted to. Like, that guy's great.
0: Yeah. And then you had... I would spoiled it before.
1: Adam Driver as Miller, because you need someone who is incredibly tall and very physically intimidating.
0: I also, and he's also like incredibly, like the character Adam on Girls is very violent. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he's got that, he's got explosive anger that I think would play directly into how this role.
0: There's a, there's a really, there's an, a really nice description. Nice is a weird word. After they shower together toward the end mm-hmm. of being like even more impressed by Miller's like size seeing him towel off in a too small bathroom like yeah. just like the length of his limbs
1: mm-hmm. yeah so those are the two what, what i would think of as the two main characters i don't really have any casting for anyone else uh, I,
0: was, I was just texting our friend the honorable judge matt orderly saying you were around he says bedtime sorry fellas Uh bummer okay. said all good sweet dreams to the little ones
1: <laughs> yeah we got uh, the, the timing is just off for for when i can get up here and when we can
0: do this we've been doing this on friday nights yeah you, you, we record at bedtime did you think of any other casting for any? Because, like, I had, so, like I was saying, and then I I, I wanted to get out of my head because it was just weird, but because of Miller, I was thinking Nick Miller, Jake Johnson, and then just on that show, Lamorne Morris, because, like, there's the race, the black and white thing here. So I'm just like, then it became, like, weird, like, new girl slash fiction where, like, Winston and Nick were sleeping together. I'm like, I don't uh, want that.
1: You're like, so weird.
0: But then you're like Brian Tyree Henry and Adam Driver, so I was like, okay, good, like that. That got this out of my brain. So
1: yeah, I think both those dudes are like forty, though. So that's a little. That's probably a little too old.
0: Adam Driver, thirty-eight. He'll be thirty-nine this year. Brian Tyree Henry, thirty-nine. Going to turn forty by the time this episode's out. So booyah, nailed it.
1: Yeah, so that's like about fifteen years too old for this, but that's
0: fine. Doesn't matter. We have a time machine that you can put people back in any age. Yeah it's fine i would like to
1: see rock hudson as miller and uh as uh wallace i would like to see um let's see uh
0: hmm ernie hudson
1: yeah oh that'd be great that's a <laughs> young ernie hudson
0: like ghostbusters <laughs> yeah, yeah no, no no younger than that okay yeah like ghostbusters 2
1: yeah he was younger in ghostbusters 2 than ghostbusters 1
0: we're on Twitter at Patreon Patreon.com slash lotterypod. I think our audible thing went away, but if you go to me slash lottery, you can do a thing there. Keep reading, please. Please keep reading.
1: Uh today's crime is Wait, do you remember
0: what the crimes were in our do you know like the crimes in our episode in our podcast description? Because you wrote the description maybe a year ago at this point now.
1: Yeah, it's crimes that I do, right? It's like a crime that I've done every, like, on the day. No? Okay, go ahead. What is it?
0: Will it be something boring like credit card fraud or something sexy like a casino heist?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think credit card fraud is that boring.
0: You call it the boring. I call it the boring. It's on me. What's today's crime?
1: Uh, today's crime is... Uh,
0: uh, I just gave you two.
1: No, you know, I, I hate to be incredibly uh, political about this, but... Um,
0: Keep in mind, this is going to come out in like six weeks.
1: Yeah, I, this is evergreen, man. Bodily autonomy is democracy. Uh, so today's crime is the state continually trying to take away uh, access to abortion from people everywhere in America. That's 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 not a fun crime, but that's a real crime that's actually happening.
0: Transition into some upbeat song. Here we go. <laughs> Do not be afraid. Do not be
1: afraid. Your arms are wrapped do not be afraid And claps, your hands resound Do not Burning. be afraid In Your feet, they map the ground Do not, Do not be, be afraid, afraid. you have night visions Do not be afraid Your whole body Do not be when afraid When it's jostled Do not be afraid We'll spend time Do not around. be